are now tuned in to the Cosmic Combos Podcast, your number one source for accurate, relevant, and thought-provoking astrological conversations in the podcast nation, the place where stars and minds align. Peace. You're now tuned into the Cosmic Convos Podcast. I'm your humble host, Herut, and we got the man of the hour, Brother Ra. How you doing? Brother, getting better and better every day. How about yourself, King? Same thing, man. Same thing, man. What not, you know? Getting getting acclimated to the to the new rules. Rules of engagement. <laughs> And everything like that, but everything, everything as well. Um, you know, but um, before we get too far, I want to remind you all that this episode was brought to you by Push It For Meteor Group and Cala Purusha Astrology. Um, and now we can say our Patreon, um, patrons out there. Um, I want to give a special shout out to them. Um. Kinameti and um Ankmaahai. Um those are our first two Patreons we just launched a couple days ago. So um, you know, we're doing pretty good there. Um and like I said, you know, for those of you who, you know, wanna have more input, you know, um wanna engage us some more, go ahead and hit us up on Patreon. And stuff like that and um you know um support us help us to take this podcast to another level um you know and um help us take this uh this message to the world because you know part of you know one of the major things is is that you know we kind of um this form of astrology whether you're talking about sidereal or the the um jotish brand of astrology in the western world is it still isn't mainstream you know it's one of those things that's kind of uh you know it's it's kind of still up and coming and then especially when you come in you know get into some of the more um you know in the black communities and the latin communities different things like that you know it's still relatively unknown so um part of what we're trying to do is to launch this perspective into that paradigm you know, because I think it, it could really kind of change the way that we, you know, kind of um, approach life, a worldview and, you know, how we um, are able to better equip ourselves um, for what we're heading towards, you know, in the future and everything like that. So, um, you know, go ahead and, you know, hit us up on Patreon, support us and um, let us know what you want to hear. Um but you know to um get with us on social media you can follow us at um cosmic convo c o s m i c convo that's on instagram um you can find us on facebook at cosmic convos podcast um you can hit us up there and also we've also launched started uploading the episodes um you know from season 1 and the current episodes onto facebook as well because we got a lot of followers on facebook as well so um you know you guys that's another outlet for you for the stream the podcast right um brother rod tell them how to um 
how can I get with you on Calapusha Astrology? Uh, pretty much three different uh, main avenues to get a hold of me. Uh, the primary one would be uh, Calapusha Astrology at gmail.com. The other two, uh, both check them raw, either on Facebook or on IG. So either one of those can also uh, definitely tap me on the shoulder. Indeed, indeed, indeed. So, um, yeah, with all that being said, that was a mouthful right there, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, but, um, you know, uh, the feedback from last episode has been, um, you know, pretty, pretty positive. You know, um, a lot of people liked it. We reached a lot of new people. Um, you know, we have a lot of the same followers, but we're, we're reaching new audiences and, um, I think that's a good thing. Did you, how you feel about last episode? Uh, it was pretty interesting. Um, it's just interesting to see how things are going to unfold with uh, information that's been, you know, kind of handed down. And uh, it's not something that I want to see come to pass. But at the same time, uh, it's always quite um, uh, awe-inspiring to see the divine unfold you know, in real time. So quite pleased with the show and definitely looking forward to similar shows to kind of uh, just keep us, you know, like you were saying just a second ago, just keep us in touch, keep us you know, abreast of really what's going on. Indeed, indeed, indeed. So, um, you know, with that being said, um, you know, um, today we're going to talk about one of the um, essential players in the um, very topic that we covered last week's show. We're going to dive a little deep into um, the planetary entities that um, some people may know them as the nodes, right? The North and South node. Um, but in Vedic astrology, um, we call them, um, or Jyotish, we call them Rahu and Ketu. Um, you know, they get a lot of, they get bad rap. Sometimes they get good rap, depends on who you're talking to. Um, but they definitely, without a doubt, when they come into play, they definitely, um, add some spice <laughs> to wherever they're at, you know, um, definitely make things interesting and stuff like that. So, um, brother Rob, what's you, where, where, where you, where you want to start? As far as talking about Rahu and Ketu, um, you know, for a lot of a lot of people, um, when they study or what can they kind of get rid of get wind of Rahu and Ketu, it's kind of hard to kind of conceptualize what it is. Yeah, and so to kind of help the people out to conceptualize what Rahu and Ketu are or what the Northern Nodes are, I think it's best to start there and then kind of really show how that. Um, astro astronomical aspect of it correlates to the astrological aspect, um, because really what we're studying is the are the um, realized effects of astronomy. Um, you can't study astrology without astronomy, and anyone that does will very soon find out that uh, if they're trying to make predictions or trying to come to uh, use it in a way that is uh, futuristic. Uh, they're going to be shortchanged. Yeah. So um, understanding the astronomical aspects always yields the astrological 
realizations. And so the nodes literally are, um, <clears throat> you know, everything comes in duality, if you will. Um, everything comes in yin and yang, hot and cold, you know, left, right, up, down, you name it, everything comes in twos. And so the energies of the earth are no different. You have the northern, um, you have um, in magnetic, uh, or in magnetism, you have the northern uh, side and you have the southern side, and the two poles themselves still hold the same understanding that Rahu and K2 produce, meaning that when you understand that magnetic poles have an, have an attraction and repulsion to things, then you begin to understand what Rahu and K2 really do. Yeah. The attraction and repulsion of things. And so, um, <clears throat> even within the human body, we have poles, right? Um, um, we have uh, energetic systems, right, that always end up in poles. From India to China, um, right, it's, it's the same. You have energetics that are in the body that represent um, the dualities of nature. And so... Um, Moving into the astronomical aspect of it, the moon's orbit um, is still um, it it's it's uh, on the ecliptic, but it's slightly inclined to the ecliptic. Meaning, in the ecliptic, folks, is the band where where it's kind of like the um, plane where all the planets kind of rotate around the sun. But from our perspective, the sun goes or travels on the same plane. So, like the sun, when it comes up, it rises east and goes over to the west. It always happens in the south. All the planets that travel in the sky travel in the south in the northern hemisphere of yeah. the globe. Right. So, when you're looking at that, that that where those planets and where those signs, zodiac signs are, that's called the ecliptic. Right. It's about um, sixteen degrees, right, north and south, right. It's about eight degrees, depending on where you're looking at it from in the sky. But total sixteen degrees. Within that sixteen degree path, the sun is inclined five degrees slightly. So what that means is that it doesn't always stay on the same exact kind of parallel. It kind of wobbles a little, right, like a serp, like goes up and down. Mm -hmm. right? So <clears throat> the sun is pretty steady on its path, but it also moves as well. So if you ever notice due east on March 21st, September 21st, the sun rises exactly due east, right? It starts to slightly go southwest, southwest, right? It slightly goes north. I'm sorry, slightly goes north, southeast. South uh, slightly goes northeast, backward and forward, right? So in the winter solstice, it's northeast. Right in the summer solstice is southeast. Yeah. Right. And so when they go backward and forward, they also kind of create this wobble. Right. So they have these two things that kind of wobble, and they they wobble all throughout the year. But then they every every six months they match up perfectly. Right. And when they match up perfectly, the sun's as the moon covers the sun's disk. Right. So the moon covering the sun's disk, right, it, it blocks the sun. Now, the northern node is where the actual moon's path moves from south to north, meaning it's going on a northern trajectory. Right? Yeah. The southern node is where the, where the moon is going from north to south. It's on a southern trajectory. So when these things happen, and they happen twice a year when they line perfectly, sun, 
moon and earth when they align perfectly this produces a shadow on the earth right now this is phenomenal and most people kind of take it for granted but this is a rare event not to say it's rare that it happens it happens every six months right every year but the way it's aligned it's so perfectly aligned that for the moon to perfectly blot out the sun because remember the moon could be a little bit bigger right the moon could be a little bit smaller but it actually from our perspective it fits directly over the over the sun which creates i hate to say it with a corona <laughs> right <laughs> so the corona right um right that um that kind of fiery ring that appears when we have a solar eclipse and there's two different types of eclipses there's a solar eclipse and there's a lunar eclipse and they always happen near to each other right solar eclipse first and the lunar eclipse follows the, the moon the lunar cycle directly after yeah you know right. one, one one thing about that is that i mean you, you you talk about how rare it is i just it's just to me it's a bit um odd or mind-blowing how the um astronomy community can like see all these different you know um planetary you know occurrences and just assume that they have no actual significance outside of what we observe you know um from earth that doesn't think it has any impact on our lives it doesn't have any it doesn't have any true meaning outside of that um yeah i feel you that it's just dumb rocks right they're inanimate yeah. objects <laughs> yeah but they do know that they have an effect yeah because they're not going to maybe say the effect as in, as in uh you know like astrology but yeah. they do know what the Millenkov science this is science you know astronomical science um they know what the Milankovitch cycles are yeah yeah they yeah. know what they are and that is proven to affect the actual um ice ages on earth now this is because of jupiter's and saturn's orbit around around the sun and how it literally um pulls and contracts and expands um with regards to the our our planet itself, those that kind of tug a war between those two literally creates the actual ice ages. Now these planets are far from us, but their gravitational effects are still significant enough that every one hundred thousand years you see an ice age. Yeah. So and I mean it's kind of double talk, you know, because they do know in some sense that it does have an effect directly on the planet, but then, you know, the mystery of all of all the rest is, you know, a left brain's kind of dilemma. Well, I, I I think I think part of it is is kind of like what I was getting at earlier. And you know, again, I'm not I'm not trying to beat up on our our Western astrology, um, you know, sisters and brothers. But uh, <laughs> part of it is just the the way that astrology has been branded in the in the modern world. You know, not not in a a real serious light. You know, you see a lot of like. Um, you know, especially now with meme culture and and everything like that, mm -hmm. and then oh man, this yeah, is ridiculous. <laughs> so you know, it kind of feeds that to where they don't they don't feel that they even need to even look at it seriously because of how 
astrology has been reduced down to, you know, just tabloid magazine and just conversation starters and things like that. Yeah, you know, it's been reduced to a news uh, tabloid newspaper kind of um, funny ads, you know, funnies and all that kind of stuff. You know, it's very novel. Um, but, uh, you know, that's just kind of the Western man's mindset and that's what we've adopted and many of us have adopted in, in even, even in the sense that I would say even Western astrology has adopted, um, in a, to a great degree. And I won't get into how, but, um, when you study something for thousands upon thousands of years, you just get a different respect for it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And um, Western society, I mean, granted, we just we just said that America is has its first uh, Pluto return in five years. So, you know, I mean, this is still a very infantile, you know, um, civilization, even from the sense of even going back to the Romans and the Greeks. I mean, considering our civilization in Kemet lasted double the time of which we've already that Western civilization has already been in its stronghold. Yeah, so, <laughs> that just kind of when you sit back for a minute, like, and you you rule double the time that we've already been dealing with. And when you're saying that, you're you're talking about all the way back from Greek Rome, not like not I'm just both, America. I'm talking about from from, from, from armor. Yeah, yeah, we <laughs> you know thirty one thirty five hundred uh, between thirty one to thirty four hundred BC. Well, I'm talking yeah. about Western society. You're talking about double no, the no. time. Yes, yeah, yes, <laughs> yeah. They're infantile. Right, knowledge, and I mean, think about it like this: even in India, you have some people that have traditions that have extended, you know, seven, eight hundred years, as far as this knowledge is concerned. Yeah, I mean, ongoing. So, there's no tradition in Western culture that can even compare. No, not even close. Not even close. Right. So, yeah, you know I mean, like when you understand how much time and um, um, how much. Uh, mastery has come over this with individuals that literally do meditate, that literally do practice uh, yoga, that do know how to move uh, energy up and down their chakras. Um, you know what I mean? Like, just big difference. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, I, I take nothing away from whatever they practice. If it works, run with it. But... Yeah, Western astrology, Western the Western mindset is definitely limited in this regard. So, um, but you know, moving back into the actual astro ast astronomy of it, um, the nodes always right. Um, well, when we talk about eclipses, we're talking about um, there's two different kinds. There's a partial, then there's a full. Right, the full eclipses are really the ones that produce the phenomena. Uh, as far as world changes and things like that, the the full eclipses, uh, the partial eclipses do have some effects in personal lives and things like that. But if you want to know the ones that really just are going to shift the energies around, um, it's the full eclipses. And you usually find that the changes usually start or kind of like um, um, zero point out from wherever that eclipse or that shadow passes over on the earth. Um, not everyone on the earth e experiences a full eclipse at the same time. So when we had the one here in America on August 21st, August 21st, I believe it was 2017, um, only certain people even in America could see 
the full eclipse because it's a very narrow path. It's like a serpent that actually moves over the earth. Literally, when you look at it. So, um, you know, when you understand that you're looking at some rare, and I say that's why I say it's rare, right? Because it does happen every six months, but when it happens every six months, you don't, we do know where we'll, we can predict where it's going to be. But I mean, imagine 3,000 years ago, right? When these things happened. I mean, it seemed almost godly. So, understanding it from a astronomical purview we get an understanding of what it, what the significance are behind number one the sun the moon and the earth coming together to make this phenomenon number two um, they're always 180 degrees apart right um, number three they're constantly moving retrograde meaning they have a western 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 trajectory they move westerly right most planets move the opposite direction. Yeah. So, um, you know, those astronomical significant uh, significators translate into astronomical things. And so we talk about number one, the sun, the moon, and the earth. Well, the sun represents your soul, the soul of, of man, the Atma, right? And then we have the moon, which is the mind. And then we have the earth, which is the physical body. So when the sun, moon, excuse me, the mind, the mind, body, and soul, right, will align in the sense of astronomical, in the astronomical sense, portals are opened, right? When you're practicing kundalini yoga, when you are able to align all of the, all of the chakras, then Literally, that shashun that opens allows you to do some phenomenal things. Well, it happens the same way on Earth, right? As above, so below. So when those, when that mind, body, and soul, the sun, the moon, and the earth align, portals open and new things are released. And, and certain things are even closed off. So understanding that, now we can understand why this most recent eclipse opened a portal to something that was released, right? And literally Rahu or the Northern Node is, in, as we mentioned previously, things that are infectious that are that spread. Right? So opening this portal, opening this door, opening this um, unforeseen um, event, that's what they do. Right? They shift consciousness. They change your thinking. They literally cause you to have to try to align your mind, body, and soul. Right? That's their purpose. But moving deeper into it, we're going to understand a little bit more about what they are in other cultures and things like that. But before we get deeper, is there anything else you want to add or or uh, build on, my brother? No, I think we're good now. I think we're good, good for good. right now. Good, good. Good. So, you know, different cultures around the world do recognize the same phenomenon. Same phenomena. Um, you know, each culture that's ancient really kind of even has their own astrology. I mean, you have Burmese astrology. You have, uh, which is called Mahabodhi. You have um, uh, Chinese astrology, Bazi, and even different forms of that. 
have astrology in India, you have astrology in Persia, you have astrology in, um, I mean, pretty much every, um, the, the Mayans, I mean, every culture that has a reverence and a connection with the natural world, Dogon, exactly, um, they all have some form of astrology. And so, understanding this, then you get to understand that they all can, they all have a respect for similar, the same phenomena, just under different names. And so, um, you know, I always start with, you know, Kemet people say, oh, Kemet, 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 well, I'm sorry, until you find a civilization that has lasted as long and has produced as much classical uh, material as Kemet, then well, when you find that, then let me know, then we'll, we'll, we'll definitely, um, uh, ride that one out. But <clears throat> Kemet had its own astrological system, um, and there is even conjecture that Kemet began or originated in astrology. Some people say the Babylonians, some people say the Kemetians. Who knows, right? It's hard to tell. But we do know that they're very contemporary. And in the Kemetian society, um, you had what was called the Uraeus, which is the crown on the actual Nasut's, Shechem's, or Pharaoh's head. And that crown was divided into two aspects. Now, sometimes you would see it with one aspect, which is primarily the cobra. But many times you would also see it with a cobra and a vulture. Now, the Reyes crown, because it was split and the commissions had a very deep understanding of biology and anatomy. And so they even understood that um, the bifurcation of the brain right, is very special and that... Um, all things come into, I mean, everything that we deal with in Kemet comes into duality is run is expressed throughout Kemet. But remember, we said yin and yang come in everything, and so the Uraeus crown, right, was split, and between um, one was called Wajet and one was called Nekbet. Well, Wajet is the actual cobra on the crown, and the Nekbet is the actual vulture. And they were called tutelary deities uh, in some respect, meaning that they were there to assist and aid uh, the, the, the king or the Nasut in his abilities to govern the land. Well, um, that Uraeus crown, that Nekabet and Wachet, correlate directly to Rahu and Ketu, Nekabet being Rahu and Wachet being Ketu. Um, <clears throat> you also have it even in the Yoruba tradition. It's not so readily seen because it doesn't have a dualistic aspect in the Yoruba tradition. It's whole, but for all intents and purposes, it's still there. And there is a principle in the Yoruba tradition called Osumare, the rainbow serpent. Um, and understanding that that rainbow serpent even produces the ability to create what you call the Dilogun or the Oracle. Um, and so it's phenomenal that that Osumare uh, is connected to the ability to foretell the future, right, in Yoruba culture. Not directly, but indirectly. Um, you have it in the Greek culture. Uh, it's called Eurobos, right, with the serpent's tail in its mouth. Um, um, you have it even in the Mayan culture, the respect for the feathered serpent, right, Quetzalcoatl. So it's everywhere. 
Right? These things, these ancient cultures understood keenly that the serpentine power was invested in everything as far as life is concerned. In fact, you could even say it almost is life. <clears throat> um, but the, the, the primary theme I want people to understand is that this is not something that is exclusive per culture. This is something that's known worldwide in ancient times. And so a profound respect was given for the times that manifested as far as uh, any type of eclipse are concerned. In fact, you know, in India, I mean, in, in, in the teachings, they do say you shouldn't be outside during these times. You know, I personally don't go outside during eclipses. Just don't, right? But, you know, there's, they claim there's no science behind it to support it, but I can kind of tell you that I've seen some things when people do things that are under the eclipse and they're not out there doing things the right way, it usually comes back tenfold. But <clears throat> nonetheless, moving into the story um, and to kind of explain some of the thing, the themes around Rahu and Ketu and why they do what they do, um, astrologically speaking, now, since we know astronomically how they generally operate. So, in India, in Vedic culture, um, there is a story. And the story is a story that kind of, it explains, it's a, it's a myth, right? But it explains things as far as man's unfoldment and his, and his um, realization of his potential. That's really what this story is about, but it's uh, put in a way that you know makes it interesting to kind of look at it from different angles. But nonetheless, in the story, there's a demon, um, and Rahu and Ketu are known as demons, right? They're asuras, right? They're shadows, right? Well, they weren't always Rahu and Ketu in the story, right? They're actually whole in one point. Um, and when they were whole, they were called Srabanu, right? And Srabanu is a demon that uh, it basically took and did some 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 penance, right? It it kind of um, made some sacrifices and did some things to kind of get the attention of what they call Lord Brahma. And Brahma, right, which is one of the Trinity deities in the Hindu pantheon, uh, we're talking about um, Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva. Brahma is the creative aspect. So Srabhanu goes to the creative aspect of, of, of the universe and says, look, I've done all this penance, right? I need a boon, and a boon is a gift or a power. And so Brahma installs Srabhanu as a planet. Now this is before Srabhanu is right, made into Rahu and Ketu. But Srabhanu is a demon, a very intelligent, wise demon. And so um, it comes a time when the gods and the demons kind of have to work something out collectively. And they're churning the milky, or churning the ocean, the celestial ocean. And while they're churning celestial ocean, a couple of things come out. One of which is the Halhala, which is the poison. And have you ever seen a picture of Shiva? You always see his neck, right? It's blue. He's blue, but his, his neck is usually blue as well. And... It's a poison that was released, right, out of the churning of the celestial ocean. But there is something else that actually came out as well, and that 
other thing that came out was uh, what is called the Amrit, right, or the the nectar of immortality. And so, <clears throat> um, the nectar of immortality was produced, and so um, it was Vishnu that stepped in and. As the sustaining aspect, remember once creative, now Vishnu is the sustaining aspect of creation. So Vishnu says, well, you know what, um, I'm, I've got this nectar, I'm going to give it to the gods or the devas and make sure the asuras or the demons or the, and let me explain and qualify when I say demons. We're not talking about in the sense of demons like as in like Judeo-Christian context. We're talking about things or beings that are more earthly oriented or forces that are more earthly oriented. And then the devas are more celestial oriented. You need both, right? Don't get it twisted. But for all intents and purposes, I just don't want the audience to think that I'm mentioning demons in the sense of a Judeo-Christian context. Not in, not in the least. It's kind of like negative and positive forces of something, right? You need both in life to exist. But nonetheless, right, Srabanu, right, um, is among the demons. And so Vishnu lines up and says, look, I'm going to give the gods and the demons both equal, the equal amounts of nectar for immortality. But Vishnu, in its wisdom, quote unquote, uh, decided to trick the the Asuras and not give them the nectar of immortality to try to circumvent the earthly forces to be able to be able to sustain themselves for eternity. And so what happens is uh, the demons and the gods line up, but the Vishnu says, you know, I, I know this for Bano's here. I got to be smarter than this. So let me try to pull a trick and becomes a very beautiful woman and gets the gods, gives the gods the ability to drink the nectar of immortality and distracts the demons because of the beauty that the the image that Vishnu became, the, the beauty that it holds, it became a distraction for them. So they never got the nectar. But Srabanu, being intelligent, an intelligent demon, figured the trick, got figured out the trick, and so he disguised himself. Remember, I'm saying very specific words. He disguised himself, right? And fit in as a god and got in line between the sun and the moon. So when he got in line and finally, when there was the last drop of nectar that dropped out of the of the, the pot and it hit the tongue of Srobanu, Vishnu realized it at this at that moment and cuts Prabhanu in half. Right. Eternally, even though they are now eternal, they are forever separate and ever yearning and turning towards one another. So understanding that now when we mention and we compare it back to Right, the actual astronomical data that we talked about. Remember, Srabanu is given, granted, a gift of the status of a planet. So these Ra, this Rahu and K two, they're invisible. You cannot see them with the naked eye yeah. at all. Yeah. Right. But because of their consistence, okay, penance is something that you do over time. Right consistently 
without without fail. Well, the nodes, right? They constantly are moving in time. They're constantly moving in a direction. They're constantly acting in a given um, in a given way. So meaning that they produced a penance, meaning that the effect of something that is produced over time yields a power in essence. So Rahu and Ketu repeatedly, those nodes, those invisible points happening over time, over and over and over, gives them the power, the status of planet. Even though they can't see them, they're not really there. And understanding also, remember we're saying you can't see them, these things are invisible. We're talking about things that are, that are now invisible. So in astrology, Rahu and Ketu represent things that are unseen. Right. Not only that, right? We remember we said the sun and the moon, right? Actually, and I did leave out a part of the story. I apologize, folks. The sun and the moon is who snitched on Florbano. He, they told Vishnu, "Hey, look, we got a demon in here." Mm. And that's when this. That's when Vishnu took out his chakra. It's not shot. It's not chakras. It's chuk chakra. So he took out his chakra and cut the demon in half. Hmm. When he cut it in half, the sun and the moon is who snitched. And so Rahu swore that he would always right, be uh, against or have issue or complaint with the sun and the moon. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, the sun and the moon is involved in the eclipse pattern. Right. Yeah. So hence, right, when... Um, we're talking about these phenomena. We're talking about astronomy becoming astrology, and so because they're cut in half and they're eternally apart, that's why they're always 180 degrees, literally exactly apart from one another for all time. Understanding it astrologically speaking, wherever Rahu is, the opposite is the opposite effect is produced. In the house that's away from Rahu, the seventh house away. So the exact effect of whatever is going on there is the repulsion on the other side of the same coin. Give an example. If your Rahu is in your first house, you typically have a compulsion to do things your way or to do things that are oriented that's oriented towards making you the primary beneficiary of all things. That means that the natural response is for you to deny other people, which is the seventh house. Yeah. And the other other people that you usually deny is the ones that are closest to you, i.e. your mate. So this person becomes very self-consumed. Henceforth, their relationship suffers. But in the past life, they already did the, the relationship thing. So it's calling forth to them the attention for them, calling attention to for them to become uh, a... Uh, self-aware person not negating themselves so much so it's this dualistic play with things right that this dualism this back and forth creates kind of a, a snap and it opens a portal that's how you read it in a chart that wherever that Rahu and Ketu is is a portal right if it's in the first house let's say Ketu's in the first house and Rahu's in the seventh 
Now, this person is going to deny themselves more and then acquiesce to the person that's literally on the other side of who, or, of who they are, meaning their mate. So usually the mate becomes self, the mate becomes self-important and they lose importance. Well, in the last life, they were self-important. So it balances things. Right? Yeah. It literally pulls you out of one thing to pull you into another. And that pulling and pushing creates a snap and it opens your consciousness to see, hey, I'm going back and forth here. Right. So <clears throat> right, understanding these things, then you get a deeper sense of how, right, when Rahu, which is the northern node, devours the sun, what does that truly do? It affects your ability to make decisions. Right. It circumnavigates your ability to make decisions. I mean, hence, how many decisions can you make right now? You're pretty narrowed in your decision-making capacity to do the things that you want to do. Henceforth, that's the effects that Rahu produces. It's a whole new reality, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, this 19 years ago, we had a whole new reality. 9-11 changed the world. Oh, yeah. I mean, you got Homeland Security. You got, I mean, it, people don't realize it, but back back then, you didn't have to really go through that security check-in when you fly. No. Not like that. You could, you, could, you could get all types of stuff <laughs> on the plane. Oh, man. I mean, easily. And the thing is, is, you know, I mean, uh, a whole new um, TSA is created out of that i mean i never saw tsa before i live so they have a whole force now that deals with i mean like you said homeland security i mean they have different things that just this that shifted the world well here we go again that was 19 years ago and it takes 19 years for the nodes to return to the same place they were 19 years ago <laughs> So every 19 years is a repeat of that same nodal placement. Well, 19 years ago, we had 9-11. And because this country called America is the centerpiece of the world, I mean, it, it didn't start here, but now they're saying now America is the epicenter. So, I mean, like, you have to kind of really understand that when you really look at things, this is how the ancients ruled for so long because they watched these cycles for so long and they knew how to move with nature, how to move with the divine. Yeah. We can do that on our daily lives by paying attention to the nodes as well. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> um, the other thing I want to mention, though, <laughs> it's kind of like the imagery that goes along with this. And so Rahu, really, it's a serpent, right? And uh, it's pictured as a serpent, uh, like a serpent's, a, a serpent's head, right, with a body. Like a human body. But that serpentine energy, right? You ever you watch like Animal Planet, right? You like Peep Game. You ever look on the back of the hood of the cobra? Yeah. Yeah. The back of the hood of the cobra has the K2 with, with you know, each there each planet has a glyph. Mm -hmm. The glyph for K2 is on the back of the cobra's head. Yep. Right, and the glyph for Ketu is just the opposite of Rahu. You just switch them around, 
right? Mm-hmm. They're the same glyph that's just upside one's upside down, one's right side up, right? So when you understand that 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 serpent has already been imaged, the serpent itself, the cobra. Whenever you go, folks go look and look at the back of a cobra's head, and they have a usually a king. I think it's a king cobra, but they have a looks like a little looks like an upside down kind of like a horseshoe almost. Right, that's the symbol for K two, literally, and the symbol for Rahu is the opposite. So the serpent itself embodies the serpentine energy. Remember we talked about the sun and the moon, how they have a serpentine motion up and down in the sky. Indeed, you know, um, interesting thing, and I'm going to go, and I'm going to double check this, but I'm pretty sure that, um, you know, when the Western world became aware of electromagnetism, um, Rahu was in Mula and K2 was in Ardra at that time. It was, it was that, 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 and so mentioning that, which is great that you mentioned that because we talked about the Eurobos and what that symbol is of the serpent's tail in his mouth. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, that's a sign of completion, really, is what it is. And so, uh, astronom- astrologically speaking, that happens in a person's chart or in uh, the mundane sense of the, uh, the mundane sense of astrology when Rahu, right? Well, let's say for a person's personal chart, when the northern node, the transiting northern node, is conjunct a person's natal southern node. Mm-hmm. So meaning that Rahu literally meets K2 in the chart. And wherever Rahu is on one side, K2 is on the opposite. So literally, Rahu and K2 are both meet up simultaneously on both sides of the uh, of the chart. Right? That's the Eurobos. And the Eurobos also can happen when Rahu is in K2 signs and K2 is in Rahu signs. It's a haywire reaction. Mm-hmm. Things go bananas <laughs> right and it happens every so often right every 48 years it happens for a person in his chart right that's the end of the midlife crisis right that's when you literally <laughs> right, rahu and ketu turn on at 42 and 48 in the astrological sense of the word there's specific years that planets turn on and so 48, right, being right at that age when the Robos literally is about to, right, when the serpent is about to be consumed, consume its own tail, right, that's when life literally in that person's life shifts and changes dimensions and prepares the person to begin to enter into the inner planes. Hmm. Right, so when you're at that 48th year, when 50 turns, if you ever notice Something in you can see 50 in a person. Sometimes you can't see 40 or 30. I can see 50 in a person. Even if they take care of themselves, if I'm astute enough, I can see it's something that shifts in their aura, their glow. Something about them changes. Right? And I'm close to that age. So, (laughs) I'm sure this is going to be eventful, right? So, knowing that, right? Then you understand that, like, 
when we have these things, these events, because Rahu's in his own sign and Ketu's in its own sign. Right? Well, when it's in its own sign, it's going to produce what it does well in and of itself, meaning that Gemini and the sign that is in Ardra, right? Those that's a very tumultuous sign. Gemini is the most unstable sign. So when Rahu is moving through there, right, and an eclipse happens, and these and it's repeating a 19-year process or pattern, you can bet your bottom dollar a new reality is about to manifest, and it's manifesting before our very eyes. Yeah. Not to mention that this eclipse happened in the ascendant of America's chart, and the eclipse happened simultaneously when there were five planet. There was a five planetary alignment. Almost all the planets were lined up, actually. Yeah. So, I mean, this is serious stuff when we start looking at This is big changes, folks. This is big changes. So for the next 20 years, and isn't it strange that the next 20 years that Pluto will still, it's going to take Pluto 19, almost 19 years to leave Capricorn. And Capricorn is the sign of government. So. You're going to see, for the next 20 years, changes like you're not going to believe. Yeah. You're not going to. Your life, my life, our life in this lifetime, right, will be the starting point for the changes that are about to come that are going to literally lead us into a new age. Not, we're not there yet, folks. But remember what I told you about. Remember what I told the audience about. What happens when the age of Aquarius comes? This is it. Mm -hmm. right? You're getting a taste of it. This ain't nothing yet. Oh, yeah. Yeah, things don't... You can they don't just switch overnight like that. I mean, you gotta kind of... I mean, some for some people, this reality seems like night and day. But this, the... That the systems were already in place for it to function how it's functioning now. So it's not... A, a true night and day it's like you gotta things have to happen to usher in whatever new changes is that that we're gonna see when the actual age of aquarius you comes, know, in. Come, comes right. in but these are the pretexts yeah right these are the the four words the preliminary um starting points for this to come because i mean granted right this is this run and the more trend, the more commerce. I mean, think about it like this. In the 1900s, you had the swine flu, right? Mm-hmm. That killed a lot of people. But they didn't have the same type of transit system that we have. And so having a transit system where people can literally leave one part of the globe... And go to another part of the globe. And I, I, I'm not talking about like military people or wealthy people. It may be in the 1900s. And, and the thing about the the airplane was just invented in the late in the early 1900s. So 1918, it wasn't no jetliners. You had to take a boat. You had to take a boat. <laughs> you had to take a boat, right? <laughs> so, you know what I mean? There was some delay there, right? There's no delay now. Right, you can transmit something around the world in a matter of hours. 
So this is what we're seeing. And that is Gemini, isn't it? Yeah. So the the, the quick transactions, the, the, the short travels, right? Because they claim that it traveled, short traveled from China to here. Short travel, I don't know. I don't buy that, but okay. <clears throat> I think it's, I think it was airborne from the beginning. I honestly am beginning to believe it's weaponized because I'm I'm watching the news. I'm paying attention to how viruses have worked in the past, and this is a little different. It's a little different. If you notice, it's almost random. These disease doesn't usually do random stuff. It has a very select. Um, type of individual host that it likes. This is different, so mm -hmm. I'm not gonna say that it is for say for for certain, but I surmise this is something that is weaponized and they're not telling us. There's some there's some hidden things or some some things that we don't know about. There's some it. things we don't know. I'm just that's why they keep telling you stay inside, stay inside, stay inside. If it's stay inside, if because I know somebody said, well, if it's airborne, how come they not wearing a mask? Well, trust me, you don't even know if they if they have an antidote or if they have a vaccine already for this. They, it's possible. You just don't know. So I'm not going to sit here and act like because somebody's not wearing a mask that's not airborne. And the people that are up there are not too astute themselves either. <clears throat> trust me. I, I think that at this point, they're... They, they themselves don't want to become obvious, right? In saying, hey, this is airborne. Now you really are going to have to stay at home. That would create a panic. I think they just want to avoid that at all costs. Yeah. Because it's already a panic. And if they go further with this, it's just going to be anarchy. And they don't want that right now. So they're trying to not say the obvious. But if you read between the lines, if you're an intelligent individual... You can see this is airborne. So, <clears throat> you know, that being said, Rahu and Ketu in astrology produce some strange effects. Uh, ghosts, right? Apparitions. Um, um, catastrophes. Um, um, viruses. Anything that you normally don't deal with on a day-to-day -day basis rahu and ketu are responsible for that's their world that's their realm that's what they do they bring the unseen to the scene indeed all right rumors lies all that's rahu right and here's the thing rahu produces smoke right ketu consumes smoke people are like what does that mean there's a these are like little things they tell you in the in the in the in the ancient scripts scriptures to kind of give you a right brain understanding of what is going on. Um, Rahu is the advancing armor, and K two is the conquering army. Right? What does that mean? Right? Well, K two is your past life. If you want to know about someone's past life, very quickly, down and dirty, just real simple. Not all the, you know. The formulas and the yogas and all those things. Just real quick, just look to K2. Wherever, whatever sign it's in, trust me, that K2, whatever there, that's the tendencies that they have had in the past life. And 
there's tendencies that they typically do. They, there's things they do very well, or they're innately there in, inside of their character. Whereas Rahu, that is the character. That is the area that they're the most confused about, or that's the area where they usually have to develop, or there's not a clear understanding about it because this is the, this is the life where they're going to get that under control. Mm -hmm. So, right, just down and dirty. K2 is your past life. Just real simple, right? And so when you begin to understand that all of the past life stuff that you've dealt with is kind of in a knot in that K2 house inside. What unties the knot is wherever Rahu is. So, <clears throat> you know, these little small things, when you begin to understand, you know, Rahu creates... Uh, revolutions, right? Upheavals, um, coups, riots. Are you seeing? You, just wait. <laughs> it gets better, y'all. Right? This thing is still going to grow. Things are going to continue. The one thing I would say is this: is that the society that we live in now, versus maybe when a lot of other things were portrayed, like we thought that this would be like this, that, and the other. It, society is very different, and it's hard to lock people down. I mean, it just literally, you'd have to have somebody on every street corner. It's just the world is not the same as what people imagine to say everybody's just going to, they can't lock people down like that. It'd be challenging for them to do so, especially considering that most Americans are just, they don't care. I'm, I'm watching people outside and I don't see any regard for any rules of social distancing and nothing. You know what I mean, just people are people. So we live in a society now where we're not going to be completely like just where there's just nothing, no food, no nothing. That We don't live in that in that world, but it is going to become scarce and it is going to become where you're going to have to manage your affairs. So with that being said, right. That's why Rahu and K2 do the strange things that they do because they're very they're very rare, right? Phenomena. They're they're there to literally shift your thinking into a paradigm that is going to prepare you to become better and more evolved. If that makes sense. Indeed. Indeed. Um well, I got a question that somebody who's been, if somebody's been, uh, sorry, <coughs> somebody who's been studying astrology a little bit and, uh, may notice that, you know, your Rahu period is about 18 years, your Rahu Dasha and your K2 Dasha is, you know, um, relatively short, seven years, seven years. So, you know, what's the, uh the um rationale the behind significance that. behind that yeah well um there's a saying that the nodes kind of act like certain planets and it said that rahu acts like saturn right and that k2 acts like mars and that's one way of looking at it right um, but the other way is, you know, Rahu is the head of a serpent, right? In order for you to experience Rahu, right, 
this is how Rahu works for most folks that really kind of want to know how does it work. Well, Rahu creates insatiable desires, right? To the point where you become relentless in the approach of that thing wherever Rahu is and whatever sign it's placed in. Those two things kind of combine to give you an idea of what that person will do and how they'll go about it. But it's insatiable, meaning to the point where you can't see. And in fact, snakes have very poor vision. Yeah. You can't see that well. But they have awesome heat vision, right? Infrared. But nonetheless, right? When the snake becomes, when it's time for the snake to grow, what happens? Sheds the skin. Right. Now, that doesn't happen in one fell swoop. There's an actual process called molting. And molting is how Rahu works. So, the snake skin becomes old. Right? And so, it encrusts itself around the person. Did you hear what I said? It encrusts the person around... It, it encrusts itself around the snake, excuse me. Mm -hmm. The um, skin. And so, just like the desire encrusts itself around the person. And they have a headlong desire to go and do something. Right? And they usually get it. Until they realize it does not... D does not give them what they desire and so they shed it well you have to have time for that process to happen right yeah typically seven years wouldn't be enough for that to happen so you need a period i would say at least 15 18 obviously right so you need time for that process to re to continue over and over and over and over and over again until the person finally, when Rahu is done with them and they move into the Jupiter period, they have a sense of enlightenment. Yeah. That's why I would surmise that Rahu's period is so long. And it's actually close to the amount of time that it takes for Rahu to make one full return. I said 19 years. I'm just rounding it 18.5. It actually is 18.5 years for Rahu to make one full return. Yeah. So that's also another linking as to the number of years as to why. K2 is short, and thank God it is. <laughs> <laughs> because if the divine put K2 on you for 18 years, he probably wouldn't make it. None of us would, because K2 is not designed. That K2 inhales smoke. Mm -hmm. So it literally takes all the stuff in that Rahu's produced, and it literally smoke. spiritualizes you. Yeah. K2 but spiritualizing you does not mean comfortability. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, right. All the smoke that you went through in the Rahu is consumed in the K2. That's what you, you heard right. I said, like they say now, uh, the K K2 wants all the smoke. Yeah, you, all the smoke. All <laughs> smoke. What, what kind of what you want. Well, I got it for you, right? Because K2 is just, it, it's headless. It's the, it's. You know, it's like the rattlesnake. You know, like that's it's that constant heightened energy, right? You know, cobra he has his head, he rears up, he can control himself. But a rattlesnake is very different. You can't 
you know, you can take a cobra and you can, um, you can, um, uh, they have those guys that kind of like tame this, like the cobra, the snake charmer. Right? Yeah. You can do that with a cobra. You cannot do that with a rattlesnake. Mm. Try it and see what happens, right? It's going to bite you. Don't try. Guaranteed. No, no, don't right? try. So K2 is kind of like the rattlesnake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Right, he's rattling, and he's letting you know I'm coiled, and I will strike at any moment. Right, you don't know when, just know I will. Right, that's K two. Yeah, you know something is about to change. You know it. You feel it. It's a feeling. It's a gut feeling. Right, I could go deeper. I mean, this things go. This goes deeper, right? It, Rahu is like the Ida, right? In, um. In yogic uh, tradition, Rahu is like the Ida, right? And Ketu is the Pingala. They say you're not supposed to inhale through the Ida uh, channel or through the nostril, the Ida nostril, because it can make you go insane. Mm-hmm. The left nostril, specific. Right? It can make you go insane by just breathing in the left nostril constantly. In fact, they even have a whole yogic. A system that they can predict through the breath. Through the Ida and Pingala. Through the Rahu and Ketu. Right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I mean, it gets deep. It goes deep. I mean, if you really wanted to bring it down to brass tacks, Ketu is the enteric nervous system. And Rahu is the reptilian brain. And then when you study those things, understand that your gut has a hundred million neurons. Your gut has the size of a dog's brain in it. So literally, your gut can think and feel outside of you, just like K2 can act outside of you. (laughs) I mean, it's all relative. It's above, so below. Indeed. So, you know, I mean, it gets deeper, y'all. It's just deeper than that. But um, just just so you understand and give give you a basic backdrop of what these nodes are and what they do and why they do what they do, what their um, true design is, and literally is to awaken man from his slumber. Uh, One of the greatest teachers in the world, if not the, in this time, day and time, said comfortability is a killer. Hmm. And every time... You become comfortable, guarantee something is coming to shake you out of your comfortability, and you are dealing with it right now. <laughs> Everybody is indeed, right? absolutely. Right. So, with that being said, I think we kind of got into the nodes a little deeper so that people can understand, you know, uh, what they are, what they do, what their astronomical uh, kind of um, um, correlations are, and then. Bringing that into the astrological world and seeing how it correlates directly to the phenomenon in that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, um, you know, with that being said, uh, that was excellent rap on that. I want to remind you all that this episode was brought to you by Push It Forward Media Group and Calaparusha Astrology and our patrons on Patreon. Right. Um, make sure you guys hit us up on Patreon. Go ahead and support the show. Help us take it to the next level and 
follow us on Instagram, on Facebook, you know, email, all our websites. Um, we have all of that information on those outlets there. Um, and uh, Brother Ra, um, you got anything you want to um, say to the people before we uh, officially close out? Uh, one thing I would admonish uh, everyone to do is to, uh, at this point in time, really uh, link up with your spiritual community if you have one. Um, you know, family is not just blood. You know, we think it is, but sometimes your blood can be your worst enemy. Um, this is a time to truly link with family, y'all. Uh, extended family and spiritual family. Make sure your bond is unbreakable, meaning repair any damages, get over any issues, uh, move past any differences. Because I'm telling you, at this point in time, this is the time when the smallest thing becomes, it manifests a hundredfold. Any spiritual work you do right now is going to be manifested on a hundredfold. Anything you give, any forgiveness that you perform, any compassion, it's going to be double, tripled. It's going to be. It, it literally, this is the, that's why these times come because that's why they say it's a it's a spiritual law, right? You know, they say that the rich get richer and the poor get poorer, right? Yeah. Well, the spiritually adept becomes spiritually stronger in adversity, <coughs> but the spiritually weak become even weaker in adversity. So, just by all means, folks forgive each other love each other uh, we're moving into a very specific time venus will be moving into taurus use this time to really to properly realign socially and properly realign in your relationships and in your and in your friendships because folks uh, if you don't when this is done when when I say this is done, it won't be any time in the near future. When I say done, I mean I'm talking about as the transformations that we're going to go through in the next coming years. You're going to see that your your spiritual friends, your spiritual family, and the people that you love and know that are in your corner, that that it's going to cause you to become even closer. You're going to have to move in with people. You're going to have to share now. You're going to be forced to live truth. So choose truth instead of being forced. Take a voluntary step to help each other and to, again, just forgive each other, folks. And I'll leave it at that. Indeed. Indeed. Well, you know, um, with that being said, you know, everybody stay safe out there. Um, you know, stay alert, stay driven. And, um, you know, we'll be back here next week same day and uh we thank you all for tuning in and we're out peace peace